Hey, it's Lisa Ann here. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the More Than Social podcast. I'm a digital marketing expert, self-development junkie, and your go-to for all things marketing, ads, and automation. I'm so excited that you popped by to hang out with me today, so let's dive right into the topic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another interview episode. This is actually the last interview of 2022, and I'm kind of bittersweet about it. Coming in before Christmas in the new year, I wanted to make sure to give you some advice on getting prepared for success for next year. And what better way to do that than talking to a CPA and bookkeeping expert herself? So in just a moment, I'm going to bring on Jamie. Like I said, she is a CPA and she is the founder of Bookkeeping Bootcamp. So she helps self-employed people crush their bookkeeping, maximize their profits, and stop stressing about the tax season. I know bookkeeping taxes, they may not be fun, but I promise you this one is going to be super fun. You ready? All right, let's bring her on. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm super excited to chat with you. I know there's a lot of things that we can talk about, but before we dive into the actual questions, why don't you explain to our listeners who you are, what your business is, and even your journey of how you've been helping entrepreneurs cross their goals from a accounting bookkeeping side of things. Yes, I'm Jamie and I am super passionate about bookkeeping. So I am a CPA by trade, but I noticed something really interesting in the industry when I became self-employed. And that was that I was doing tax filing, actually. I'll step take a step back and tell you how I got into what I did, what I do now. But I was doing tax filing for clients and just taking on random work here and there, as you kind of do when you're first starting your business. And I noticed a trend with all of the female entrepreneurs coming my way. And that was that there was like two different types of people that I was helping. So there was one that was the person that would come to me like first, second week of January, like ready to file their taxes, ready to rock. They're like, what do you need from me? They're sending me like one email with all their stuff in it. And we have maybe one conversation, do a little tax planning for the future. They get filed on time. They pay their bills. Everything's easy. Pay their tax bills, that is. And so that was the minority. The majority was people that was were coming to me like February, March type thing. And then it was like pulling teeth to get all of the tax filing information ready. And it was a really stressful process for them. And I could feel it on my end. And it would be like weeks when I wouldn't hear back when I would ask certain questions. And things were just like, the process of tax filing was extremely painful. And more of a process of just like gathering and getting everything together rather than planning for the future. And these people, they often didn't know what their tax bill was going to be. So they would have a hard time paying it or we would file late because they didn't have their stuff ready in time. It was, it was, yeah, not a great process. So what I realized was like, what is going on here? <laughs> Cause I thought like, there's gotta be a reason why <laughs> there are so many people like this and not as many people like the first type I talked about. And the only difference between the two was bookkeeping. That's what I realized. I'm like, these people, they have a bookkeeping system, so they're able to get their taxes done. They know how much they have to pay, and they're confident to show up to meetings with me and give me the things that I asked for. And the other people, because they didn't have a system, 
everything was painful. So, so it just perpetuates the lack of confidence and the not being able to get things done on time. So that's how I ended up doing what I do now. So now I focus solely on teaching business owners how to set up their bookkeeping system so that they can feel more confident tax time is chill and then they can focus on fun things like planning mm-hmm. rather than catching up on 12 months of stuff. Yeah, that that second person stresses me out for sure. <laughs> I like literally <laughs> from day 1 of my business. So I don't even know if I've told you this. Um I went to school originally for accounting cuz I was always really good at accounting. I loved numbers like in high school I think got like 110% in accounting. So it was kind of like this is my destiny, but I didn't go down that route, but it's why I love online marketing because it's still a big numbers game. But Mm. I feel like because I had that back end knowledge, the moment I started my business, I was that type A person, had everything organized, had an Excel document, eventually moved to QuickBooks and everything. But Mm. yeah, I'm definitely that first person you're talking about, that second person. Ah, (laughs) it makes me anxious. They are anxious yeah. and they're, they're, they're quite, they're quite common. So if anyone's listening and they feel like they're that person, it's quite common and normal because I'm sure you felt it as well. Like there's a learning curve to even create the Excel sheet and know what you need to put in there and know. So, so it's totally normal, but we don't want that. We want people to feel empowered with their finances. Mm-hmm, so absolutely. not fun to play in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it takes the stress off. Like, like you said, you can plan or focus on other aspects of your business and not have to stress about the financial side or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. I think like at the end of the day, when you have it set up, taking that stress off of yourself, is probably the biggest benefit I would assume. I'm with you on that one as well. Yeah. The removal of the, that's what all of my clients say after, after they finish working with me consistently and all the testimonials it's like I don't have anxiety anymore I feel confident and I have clarity and those are like so that's exactly it it's not even about it's not even about tax time it's about how you feel yeah yeah, yeah exactly so then besides just either leaving it to last minute or being organized in general um what are some common accounting mistakes that you're finding that these entrepreneurs are making within their business so I find first that a lot of people don't choose the right system for them, or they have no system. So having no system, that's an obvious one. It's, (laughs) you know, you're not, you're just kind of throwing stuff together at the end of the year and it's really painful. But I also find like, you could probably speak to this as well with your experience, but using something like Excel is, is like a short term strategy. And so a lot of people, when they start business, sometimes they're doing it as like a side hustle. They're not, they're kind of dipping the toe. And in that situation, you know, an Excel makes sense. But I always recommend like picking a system that is going to to support you in your growth forevermore if you're planning on building something, something long term. So I see the wave, people using wave and people using Excel for way too long. And uh, then that doesn't support the growth of their business. And it actually holds them back financially. So I'm like a big QuickBooks fan. So I always recommend QuickBooks because it's the best for business owners that are doing their own books. Um, because we're not accountants, we're business owners that we just have to learn to use things like Instagram and QuickBooks. You know? <laughs> so yeah, so choosing the wrong system that's not going to support the longevity of your business is definitely a mistake I see because every single person I talk to is like, oh, I wish I would have done this at the very start. So that's one. Another one that I see very often, and it comes up a lot in my bookkeeping bootcamp program 
is that people aren't charging the right sales tax. So they don't know what GST or HST they should be charging. They don't know when they should register. Um, So that can be really stressful because like you talked about earlier, the feeling of anxiety, right? Not having that anymore. Even if you like are kind of doing it and you end up, even if you're doing it right, a lot of people have issue anxiety that like, am I charging the right amount? So, so validating that you're doing it right and figuring out what do I charge people in Ontario if I'm in BC or what do I charge people in the US if I'm in Canada? So that's something that people struggle with. And I actually have a free resource for that. So if people want to grab it, I guess we can put it in the show notes, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll link it. It's called What the HST Am I Doing? And it's basically <laughs> a guide to that. So figure out what you're supposed to be charging um, and uh, to who. And there's also a tracker in there to get you started in, in bookkeeping. So yeah, that's another common, common one I see. And um, another one I see is what I spoke to at the beginning is just waiting the whole year to do your bookkeeping. So doing it all at tax time, rather than doing it on a regular monthly or quarterly basis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My dad owns his own business. And he's the type of he's a plumber and master plumber and water purification company. And he's the type of guy that throws all the receipts in the bag. (laughs) At the end of the year, just brings it up. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we're totally different people. But I see that happening too. Yeah, it's common. It's common. It's also like common I find with like um our parents' generation because they are like more of a paper-based generation. Mm-hmm. Whereas with us, like we we know how to digitize things. So things can still be a mess, but they're like digitally a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I'm like all about the take a photo of your receipt and then move on with your life so that you don't have paper everywhere. Yeah. And do you're you, not doing it all at once. Yeah. Do you find a lot of the individuals that you work with, like for me, I have clients in Australia, US, UK, like doesn't matter. Um, do you find that you work with a lot of people or people in your boot camp do have that cross country scenario or that mostly people are working locally? Um, mostly people are working globally, I would say a lot of, well, I would say like a lot of like Canada and US. Okay. So I work with a lot of people who that's another mistake I see often is like billing in US dollars if you're Canadian, but not actually having the structure to support that. Because <laughs> like you kind of just are like, oh yeah, it makes sense to bill in US dollars, but then your bookkeeping is a nightmare because you haven't set it up correctly. So, um, but yeah, I, I see a lot of people that they're, they, they bill internationally, so they have clients internationally. And so um, it's quite normal. Okay. Can you in my in the online space, right? Okay. Yeah. Can you talk a bit more about that? So if, if someone's in Canada and they're working with someone in the States, um, would it be beneficial to charge in Canadian dollars, but then you can't charge HST, but then or is it more beneficial to charge in the US dollars? Like and have that structure? Like mm-hmm. is there a scenario that is best or so- so if you're just starting out, so the first thing I'll say is you can charge HST in US dollars. So that's not an issue. You, It's just like the same 13%, but on the, the US currency. Um, but you wouldn't likely, if you're if you're service-based um, business, you wouldn't likely be charging sales tax to your US client. There are some situations where you would, but likely it's a no. So what I would say is if, you're just starting out and you're billing a few clients here and there in the US, then I wouldn't even bother with the US dollar yet until you know this is a long term thing. 
you're going to have a lot of work in the U.S. And then at that point, I would consider just having all of your stuff billed as U.S. dollars, not some Canadian and some U.S., which people don't like because we want to charge our Canadian clients Canadian dollars. We feel like, oh, my God, I don't want to charge them in that because they I see it all the time. And so you can do that as a customer service to your clients, but know that on the back end, then you have to have almost like two systems and two sets of bank accounts. So which brings to my next recommendation is like, if you are going to bill in US dollars as a long term strategy, then um, absolutely, uh, you're going to want to have a US dollar bank account, because people lose a lot on conversion if they're they don't and things just get converted right away. And that will play into your bookkeeping strategy of things matching up and lining up. Because if you imagine if you bill someone like $50 US, and it gets converted to $70 Canadian or something, it's very hard to have things match and line up in your bookkeeping. So that's why the separate US dollar bank account is key and the bookkeeping system that's going to support multi-currency. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. And then, mm-hmm. so you kind of touched on it from a US Canadian standpoint, but going back to just management in general, how would you mm. suggest that people should manage their finances and stay organized throughout the year versus just coming to you at the end of the year saying, what do I need? Absolutely getting a bookkeeping software. So either either you have to have a bookkeeper or you got to take it seriously and do it yourself. That's the first thing is like bookkeeping is the foundation. Like if you want to talk about creating a budget, plan, cash flow planning, forecasting, bookkeeping is actually the foundation. Like planning for taxes, like you can't really do anything unless you have the information to do it. So so you want a system and I like I recommend QuickBooks as a system um and and as even a foundation before quickbooks i would say you want to have separate bank accounts for your business versus personal because it actually makes everything else easier you're not sorting through statements at the end of the year being like oh was this purchase was this e-transfer a client paying me or was it my friend paying me back for dinner like it's like that stuff really can be annoying at the end of the year (laughs) so so if you're not going to do anything if you take nothing away from this episode at least make sure that you have separate accounts um i recommend having like a checking account for your business and then a savings account as well where you put your tax money aside as you're making money so that you can pay your taxes at the end of the year. Um, and that's like the baseline. And then of course, having a system, a, a system like QuickBooks that's going to house all of your income information and all of your expense information and stuff like that. But okay, cool. yeah, I have two questions. The baseline is separate. Yeah, two questions yeah. for that. So from a solopreneur who's not incorporated yet that is a sole proprietor versus incorporation would you recommend the sole proprietors still have separate bank accounts right off the bat uh, 100 percent. yeah okay yes that's a good question because it because the cra re- re- requires you to have a separate if you are incorporated mm-hmm. but if they don't if you're not so i have a tip for that so if you are a solopreneur and you're a sole proprietor, you're not incorporated, you can still use a, a personal type bank account. So you can do like a tangerine free checking account or like a simply financial free checking account. Like you don't need to get, you don't need to go to the bank and say like, I'm opening up a business bank account and then they're going to charge you all these fees. You don't have to do that. You can just have your checking accounts that are designated for your business. 
that makes okay. sense. Okay. And but then, I still absolutely recommend separating them. Okay. And then from a saving side of things, is there like a certain percentage of income that you recommend putting aside for taxes from like a safety perspective? Like I know it's not going to be the exact number, but. Yeah. So a lot of people say 30% seems to be like a safe number. And like you said, it's hard to tell because you don't know what people's income level is. But if you're a service-based entrepreneur, then you could get away with like probably 30% like plus putting your HST aside. Mm -hmm. If you're just starting out, maybe 30% without the HST. So kind of, kind of depends. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's service-based. What about individuals who sell like online programs or anything like that? Does that change much or no? Mm, So I would still count like online programs as service-based because they're not, when I think about service-based versus product-based, I think um, as in my accountant brain, I think of like people who would buy like materials in order to produce their product because then when they have materials and they have certain write-offs, so the 30% doesn't really work because they have, it'll be less that they have to put. But yeah, so, so for someone like, like I have on, an online course, then I would take that on that advice myself. I would consider myself service-based. Yeah. Okay. From an accounting standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> Maybe not from uh when you tell people what you're do what you do, but yes. Yeah. yeah. And then so you mentioned write off, so it just kind of sparked this question. Um, from a write off standpoint, majority of my listeners they work from home online. They have their computer, Wi Fi. So like, is there any specific write offs that you find that people don't realize when they're first starting out that they can write off from a home based business? I feel like I could just kind of shoot off the things and you could tell me if any of them are surprising to you because I feel some sometimes people are, sometimes they're not. So so internet is kind of one that people are like, yes, I know I must be able to write this off in some way, shape or form, which yes, you can. Um, like maintenance fees for your, if you live in a condo and you pay maintenance, rent, you can write off a portion of that. Mortgage. So if you have a mortgage, you can write off a percentage of your mortgage interest not the principal. So if your mortgage payment is like $1,000 a month, but 300 of that is interest and 700 of that is going towards like your principal, you can only write off a portion of the interest, the 300. So that's something that people get tripped up off because they're like, oh, I can write off this whole thing. But no, it's just the interest part. But you can write that off. You can write off um, cleaning fees. That's a good one that people don't think about often mm-hmm. if you have staff supporting you cleaning your home then um you can write off a portion of that because they're cleaning your office so cleaning supplies same thing if you're cleaning yourself cleaning it yourself then keep your receipts for your cleaning supplies because you can write off a portion of those that relate to cleaning your office so those are things that um i'm trying to think if there's anything else in terms of the home like home insurance mm-hmm. that type of thing but uh, yeah, those are the, the common things. You know, the cleaning one that I didn't never thought of cleaning. It's a good one, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a really good one. Just, and that, like, justify that cleaning bill. Yeah. What about like decorating your office, the decor, the actual desk, the chair, like that stuff? Yes. So those things you can write off and how they get written off is a little bit different than how you would write off. So like how you would write off a pen, for example, you would write off if your pen was $5, you would write off the entire $5 cost in whenever you bought it. So I bought it, say I bought it in November, I write it off in November, the $5 goes on my tax return for that 
tax year, say 2022. But let's say I bought this desk and this chair in November as well. Let's say I spent, I don't know, $1,500 on two of them together. I actually can only write off a portion of that 1500 in 2022. And then in 2023, I can write off another portion. And then in 2024, so for the life of how long I use them, I can write off a certain amount. So that's something that, yes, you can write off those big furniture costs and, and decor as well for your home office, but it has to be reasonable. <laughs> and most of it, the larger items, you feel the effects of the write-offs for years to come. It's not like, yes, I got $1,500 to write off this year. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then one other question just from a write-off. Um, so typically when you're in an office, well, not typically, but sometimes the owner or whatever will fill the fridge with water, let's just say, or snacks. Mm-hmm. How does that work when you're working from home? <laughs> nah, uh, uh, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, you're you're, I've, and I've heard of people doing that. This is like the classic, like my friend does this and their accountant says it's okay. It's not okay to write off like your food costs when you work from home, even yeah. if it's refreshments, like it would be an office. If you were, um, I'm thinking of like a digital, like an online business. If you have a home office space where your clients are coming in regularly to meet with you and you can prove that, then you'll be able to write off a reasonable amount of refreshments according to how often you're meeting people. But other than that, it's it's a no. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I was very curious about that one. It's Don't do it. One. But I was I've curious. heard of people doing it. I've heard of people doing it. But it's the people that do the things, it just means that if they get audited, they'll probably get dinged or reversed and charged interest on what they shouldn't have written off. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. And then, so you mentioned before, like bookkeeping is really important from even like planning with the cash flow side of things. Is there a best way to manage cash flow in your business or some tips that you can give people? Yes. So, so cash flow, it's layered on in order to manage your cash flow, you kind of have to layer in different levels of knowledge. And I talk about this in general about bookkeeping and managing your finances in general. So you know, if you listen to this episode and you're like, there's so many things to do, I don't even know where to start. You just pick one thing and then you layer on the knowledge. So same thing with the cash flow management. So really think about like starting starting where you're at. So the very foundation of managing your cash flow is knowing your historical numbers. So knowing how much profit you brought in last month, what your expenses are every month based on what's already happened in the past. So that is what comes from having your bookkeeping system. You just run a report from your bookkeeping system and it gives you the historical. So that's where you start. And then once you have your historical numbers, then you can actually build a forecast of what's to come based on what's happened in the past and then based on what's going on in your business. Are you investing more in marketing? Do you have a bunch of proposals you sent out that you're waiting to hear back? historically, do you usually not dip below X amount of dollars in income? So you can use that information to help forecast your cash flow. And then the last thing is like, you want to consistently review and adjust your cash flow until you get into a groove. So you like first, you're like, I know what my historical numbers are, then you can start to plan for the future. And then reviewing and adjusting is what's going to help you get to a cash flow management standpoint that you feel comfortable with because a lot of people are like well how do i know (laughs) like how do i know when this person is going to pay me how do i know 
that I'm going to spend this amount of money next month? How do I know? Because I sell products that when I'm going to have to replenish. And the only way to know is to keep practicing and revising and adjusting. So I tell people with cash flow, like create a spreadsheet or I'll give them a spreadsheet, <laughs> create a spreadsheet that shows you, you know, your, your opening bank balances, the money that's coming in, the money that's going out based on what you project. And then you'll see what's left over at the end. It seems like it's a very simple kind of concept when you talk about it. But within those numbers, you're like, well, what the heck? <laughs> like, and so I tell people, if you're like, if this is really overwhelming to you, start with one month, like plan cash flow one month in advance. Then once you're getting comfortable with the one month, you're like, okay, I kind of already know that this usually is around this amount of money. And this usually is this, then you could be like, okay, I'm going to do three months now. And then eventually you can do like a six month cash flow forecast, which is super satisfying because then um, you have a little bit of ease in your life when you're like, you know, you're not just like, am I going to have the money to pay for this new program I want to sign up for? I don't know. Let's hope so. So yeah. So, so those are the kind of things you want to know. And then for like the actual tangible, like spreadsheet is, I find the best. QuickBooks has um, cash flow built into it as well. Um, so that's nice. Like if you, you like it'll, it'll pull in historical information and help forecast the future for you. But I find a good old, like simple spreadsheet with a few line items that you feel comfortable with is, is how to go with that. Cool. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And then being as it's the end of the year coming into the new year, do you have any tips for people to get ready and plan for growth even for next year? Yes. So actually I have one more tip on cash yeah. flow and that is to look at your bank account balances. <laughs> so <laughs> if you don't have a system, it's like the first, the very first step is to just look at where you're at. So don't, don't underestimate the power of, um, the power of awareness and, and then layer on. So that's what I have to say. If you're like, what the heck a spreadsheet, then forget the spreadsheet and just look at your number Look at what's going into that number and start to play play with the story. That's what's the next week going to look like. So really, the the step to first step to managing cash flow is to look at your cash balances. Mm -hmm. So getting ready for the new year and planning for growth. That was your question. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So similar to what I was talking about with the cash flow, the the thing is, if you're listening to this and you're like, I did freaking nothing this year in terms of bookkeeping, then then me yourself where you're at. If you've done nothing, this episode's airing around December, right? This mm -hmm. is like, you got time. You have time. You have a few months to actually get things together if you start now. So me yourself where you're at, start now, start small. And what I tell people if they don't have a bookkeeping system, first step is like download all your bank and credit card statements for the year. Step one. Step two, gather all of your receipts in one place digitally and physically. So these are steps that take time. We don't actually respect the amount of time that they take, but they take time and they might seem like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll just set aside a day and do it. But if you start now and you do a little bit a day, a little bit every day or a little bit every week, by the time the tax deadline comes, you'll be ready. So, so start small wherever you're at and start gathering documents together contact your accountant sooner rather than later to ask them what they need from you. And if they, if you don't have a system, maybe they can provide you with a template that you can start to work towards. 
And then for those of you who have a system that um, you might have a little bit of backlog, so work on that backlog, close up the year, and that will have you in good shape for next year because then soon enough you're going to know what your numbers were for last year so that is the key that's the growth part right so Mm -hmm. yes we want to wrap everything up for the year for taxes to get everything done and then the next step is like to prepare to grow is look at your numbers see take time to actually celebrate the income that you generated in the year look at where you could do better take the time to reflect and celebrate just like getting that data together and looking at your numbers and then the the next step is if you don't have a system get a system (laughs) (laughs) so january is like the best time it is the best time to implement your bookkeeping system because you actually get to start fresh if you're a solo sole proprietor your year starts in january so know that you might be like wrapping up 2022 in Excel or whatever way you do while implementing the system for 2023. That's totally normal. It's fine to do both. It's fine to like start fresh. And yeah, so I'd say set up a bookkeeping system, really join Bookie Bootcamp. That's actually what I would say is that's your best step for growth and preparing for next year is join Bookie Bootcamp so that I can help you set up that system and then and then it's going to carry you forward and grow with you throughout the year. Yeah. I like what you said with like celebrate what you actually accomplished that year because that's something that mm-hmm. I feel like not a lot of people actually do. They they know they've grown whatever, but they don't actually realize how much you've either grown or how much work you've actually done. So I like going back, like look at the past years and see like that actual chart of that growth. So definitely like that tip. So definitely celebrate where you've come from. But Tell us about this bootcamp. So you mentioned it a couple of times. What is it? Yes, yes, yes. And actually, I might also be running a tax prep workshop this month, TBD. So I will share with you in a, a format in order to clean up all that stuff okay. from the last year, if that's where you're at. Um, last year, I ran it and it was a lot of the celebrations. Like I had a lot of clients who were like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that I hit my six figure goal this year because I don't know. I don't see the numbers. So it's, yeah, the celebration is like, that's, that's the real reason why I do what I do is because like, it's about the celebration, the planning, the growth. It's not about number crunching for your CPA. So bookkeeping bootcamp is the best and most fun way in to set up your bookkeeping system. So I work with clients over a period of 12 weeks because as you know, I'm about the small steps while you're running your business and you're busy. So we give it enough time that you're not doing too much work every single week. But by the end of 12 weeks, you have QuickBooks set up in a way that works for you based on you know how you want to see your numbers, what categories you want to see, and what, what's going to make it easier for tax filing down the line. I teach you how to look at your financial statements so you can understand what profit and loss statement is, how your business is doing how to forecast your tax bill, how to have your numbers ready so that you can actually create a budget and a forecast. So like I said, it's absolutely the foundation for healthy financials for your business. And it's a lot of fun. So so there's three different ways to join Bookkeeping Bootcamp. There's so you can kind of check it out, check it out on the the website, but there's ways for us to work together. Or if you're like a self-guided type person, you're like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. There's an option for that as well. So it kind of just depends how much you want to hang out with me, but we'll get it done. <laughs> Amazing. Now, what is the website? 
Okay, the website is www.montycpa.com and you'll be able to get into Bookkeeping Bootcamp from there. Okay, amazing. I'll put that in the show notes so they have it easily. Beautiful. Amazing. And then I always end my interview episodes off asking one question. So what is the one tip that you would give a fellow entrepreneur? Doesn't have to be bookkeeping related, doesn't have to be numbers, just in general. What would the tip be? Yes. Okay, so the tip is when you're getting advice from people, this is something that I feel so strongly about right now is take what advice feels good to you and leave the rest. This is, I think that we have so many, we have, we're just surrounded by so much like advice, free advice on the internet and people that are masters at what they do. And they know this is how you, these are the six steps to do whatever. And that's really helpful. But what I found is it's helpful and I'm only going to do the pieces that I like and that feel good for me. So take all the advice you want from coaches, gurus, professionals, but always listen to what actually works for you because that's what will propel you forward in the long run. I love that. And I totally agree. It's like not what works for every single person is going to work for you. You're going to eventually try it out, feel what's good, feels what's wrong, figure out your own system. And then you'll just kind of eventually have all your own knowledge and expertise that works specifically for you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You you said it properly. Love Amazing. it. Well, thank you so, so much. There is a lot that we talked about. I'm definitely going to look into that cleaning stuff <laughs> right off. The one yes. thing I didn't think Bold. about. Yeah. But honestly, you gave a lot, a lot of knowledge. I think everyone's going to either have their butt kicked to actually get organized and get themselves in a position to start off the next year really organized and ready so it eliminates that stress. Or if not, they'll definitely be reaching out to you because I'm not an expert in accounting whatsoever or bookkeeping. So go go to Jamie. <laughs> Yes, come hang out and come hang out with me on Instagram regardless because I am always just pumping out all of the um all of the tips on there and all the dance moves too. I oh. may be doing a few dance moves on there too. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. If you're not dancing on Instagram, I don't know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being the last guest of the year. I'm super excited for everyone to get to know you more and check out your boot camp as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on this episode. I am so grateful that you show up each and every week. I hope these tips and tricks have brought you some new ideas and new inspiration for your business. If you love this conversation, let me hear it. Leave us a rating and review on the More Than Social podcast and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Share it with someone who you know needs this message and together, let's make an impact and let's make a business that we love. I'll see you next week. Thank you.